Hey guys, what's going on? It's Josh, JC Alfelto for the Writer's Lens. And this is going to be a response video slash podcast episode uh, to an article that I found while perusing the internets over the last few weeks uh, about a fellow science fiction writer by the name of Andy Duncan. And Andy was interviewed on, a, on another podcast called The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. And among some of the things that they talked about regarding just science fiction and, you know, Andy's writing process and things like that, the topic of discussion turned to the beloved fantasy epic The Lord of the Rings by J.R. Tolkien. And Mr. Duncan made a comment saying that uh, within the Lord of the Rings universe, it's hard not to miss, but some races are obviously worse than others. And he didn't just leave it at that, though. He continued down this path of saying that if you really do analyze it, you can see that there are superior races within Tolkien's work, and there are some inferior ones. And when he means superior, he talks about uh, the races of men, elves, dwarves, and hobbits to some degree, while the inferior ones would be in the line of orcs and goblins and other uh, sort of demonic-type creatures that are prevalent inside of Tolkien's lore. So at first glance, when I heard this, I, I kind of was taken aback a bit because uh, I, I am a Lord of the Rings fan, and I, I saw the movies when they came out. I thought they were fantastic. I think the story is fantastic. So I was, I was kind of taken aback a little bit by the comment because I honestly had, one, never even considered that, that it might be a racist work. And two, I, I really want to know where this guy was coming from. You know, I, I wanted to know if, if there was something behind this statement and was there anything malicious, perhaps, that he was trying to do with this? You know, did he just hate on Tolkien, even though Tolkien kind of kickstarted the entire fantasy genre with dwarves and elves and hobbits and kind of normalizing them so even mainstream people knew what they were? <laughs> okay, so uh, aside from all that. So I did a little bit of, of digging on, on Mr. Duncan, and I, I did find that he wrote a parody or a satire many years prior to this interview that he did where he talks about a senator named Bilbo who goes and kind of petitions and lobbies on behalf of the hobbits who live in the Shire, which is sort of this very innocent kind of Garden of Eden uh, area in the Lord of the Rings lore, uh, and is petitioning to not allow the orcs to immigrate to his land. He does not want them to go there. So it's kind of this poking fun at the idea that these demonic, sort of cannibalistic creatures are not going to be allowed to enter into the Shire, and Senator Bilbo is there to, to again, petition against this, the immigration of the orcs to his land, which, again, the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy is about keeping the orcs and the goblins and the Dark Lord Sauron from advancing through Middle-earth and essentially killing off all the other races. Uh, so keeping all that in mind, right, keeping all that in mind, uh, and parody aside that, that Mr. Duncan wrote, is the Lord of the Rings actually a racist work of fiction? Was Tolkien a racist guy? Okay. Was, was he trying to promote some sort of message that there are superior races and there are inferior races that we need to keep beaten down and, uh, keep them from ever elevating themselves into higher levels of society, right? And, and distinguishing between them based upon their races. So that's the key question for this, for this episode that I want to unpack. And again, I, I don't know Mr. Duncan personally, 
So I'm not going to try to assume a lot about his motivations because I, I really just want to address the context of what he's saying. Because in the age of outrage culture, where in social media land, words can be taken out of context very quickly and very easily. Again, I don't want to assume that, you know, Mr. Duncan has this ax to grind with the Lord of the Rings. I, mean, I did listen to part of his interview. He does sound as though he does to some degree maybe believe that the Lord of the Rings might be racist. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I guess you could argue that. But I do just want to address his statement because this is the way I think that bad ideas get spread is that someone says something, even if it's out of context, a few people who are kind of on the extreme ends of thinking hear about it and then they start to sympathize with it and then it maybe balloons into something else and you know, then it just, it, it gets lost in confusion and then people start actually thinking that this comment has validity. So I, I want to just talk through this statement, this question of, is the Lord of the Rings uh, racist on, on any level? Okay, is it, is it actually a racist work of art? So, so let's unpack this thing. And you have to start with Tolkien himself because he's the, he's the writer, he's the guy who was inspired to do it. And a little bit about Tolkien, as I've kind of analyzed his life from time to time, Tolkien was a World War I veteran. Okay, he was a trench fighter. He fought against German soldiers. Uh, he would have been on the, the side of the what would be considered the Allies uh, before it was truly the Ax Axis and Allies battling each other. Uh, so he saw a lot of fighting up close. Okay, he was a you know he was a he was a literal war veteran, and much of what he witnessed in war served as inspiration in his stories. Uh, we know this is, has been documented. He's been interview or his interviews reveal this that much of the the things that he experienced the characters the counting of of the kills that are that happened throughout the two towers <coughs> many of these things were what many considered to have been real events that he he went and put them inside of the lord of the rings uh aside from the, of course the dwarves and the elves and the orcs and all that other kind of fantasy stuff but that's a little bit about tolkien as far as where he was coming from when he wrote these stories but Perhaps what's even more significant in some way is that Tolkien was a Christian. And the mythos that he writes the Lord of the Rings with is very similar symbolically to the biblical narrative. And I, so I, I just want to point out some of these things because this is important if you're going to make a comment like this. If you're going to make a statement like a work of art or a literary work is racist. Okay, because this, this is going after sacred things about human beings. Races would be considered a sacred thing to a person. Uh, if you're going to attack something that is sacred, then you need to do some more digging than what you see on the surface. Okay, so let's just get into this real quick here. So, so knowing that Tolkien was a Christian, and it was, it was well known that he was, he was also part of the conversion of C.S. Lewis, who was also a, an incredible apologist for the Christian faith in the 20th century. Uh, Tolkien's narrative and mythos of the Lord of the Rings follows the biblical one very closely. There is a, for one, there's a god character called Eru, or Eru, I, I hope I pronounced that correctly, E-R-U, who is the one. Okay, he's known as the one. All right, so this is a direct reference to God. Uh, Eru creates several heavenly bodies in the beginning that together create great music. <clears throat> so this is the, this, this is continuing in the idea of creating the heavens. Uh, one of them ends up rebelling during this this time of making a symphony. This character's name is Melkor. 
He claims to have made his own music and thereby assaults the power of Eru as the one. He, he tries to convince the other heavenly creatures that he too can create things from nothing. Uh, does this sound familiar? Okay, this sounds like the story of Lucifer, the one who actually rebels against God. So Mal Melkor, of course, is cast out of uh, the, the heavenly choir, the orchestra. He takes several other beings with him, which again is, is directly related to the to the biblical narrative of Satan falling and, and taking a third of the uh, of the angels with him, these fallen angels. And he lands in Middle-earth, which is where the story takes place, which again, talking about Middle-earth and, and Earth, uh, again, the two being very analogous to one another. And he takes on a lieutenant named Sauron, who ends up actually being the bad guy of the Lord of the Rings series. And uh, with all of this, he creates the land of Mordor, which is this land of suffering and, and uh, torture and sort of self-exaltation. It's the land of volcanoes and, and, and darkness and unpredictability. All the things of chaos, of chaos that would be associated with, uh, with the devil and how the devil can twist and, and turn and, and, and just destroy truthful things, which is what Eryu himself would have, would have been doing. And in Mordor, again, this is where the orcs are, the goblins are, the, the other creepy crawlies, the giant spiders that prey upon innocent creatures. Um... Still with me on this? Okay, okay, good. So, because we're, we're still building the foundation of Tolkien's universe that he has laid out. Because, again, this is important to know the foundations of where Tolkien is coming from, because this is his universe that he has created. And the origins of the orcs themselves, as Tolkien writes, are that they, they could have been made out of the slimes of Mordor or, or were fallen elves themselves. Now, what does that mean that they were fallen elves? Okay, the, the elves are, are kind of like this in, this group of enlightened beings in Tolkien's uh, mythos. They're, they're kind of almost like angels in human form. And the fallen elves, as Tolkien writes, are, are partially the orcs. So they're the, the elves that gave into sort of dark energies. They, they knowingly made a choice that they wanted to be exalters of themselves. So they gave into dark powers. They became these orcan creatures because of their 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 denial of, of uh, what made them enlightened, basically. But there's also this history of them being created from the slimes of Mordor itself. So there's there's almost like this husk or this shell of a creature that is an imitation of what real life is within the goblins and the demons and the orcs that Melkor is creating. He's not actually creating something new. He's making kind of a, a counterfeit of what would be considered real, like like men and, and uh, dwarves and hobbits that are all made of sort of this uh, divine host uh, of creatures. So there's these competing forces of good and evil right from the get-go in Tolkien's story. So if, I, if I've lost you at all, if you're, if you're not kind of nerding out on this, if you're, if you're having difficulty, this is important, okay? This is really important for understanding because, again, the mythos of the story is sacred. Race is a sacred thing to people. So you have to be on the same level of what you're talking about if you're going to address this. Tolkien, at, at the sacred level of his mythos, is laying the framework of what is good and what is evil and where things come from. And race being a sacred thing to people, uh, regardless if you're a Christian or not. If you're not a Christian, that's okay. You know, just keep following along here. Uh, are we talking about the same things? Can you make the argument that the Lord of the Rings is now racist? Because men, dwarves, hobbits, and elves 
are are thereby kind of seen as being on the good side. Okay, they're on on the good side. They're part of sort of Aryu's better creations, you know, down on Earth, right? They're capable of doing good, but they're also capable of doing evil. But they're not totally evil like the orcs and the goblins. So in this way, Tolkien is relating human beings to sort of uh, modern struggles, okay, real struggles. You know, the fact that every man and woman has the capacity to do great good or do great evil. This is this is another common theme throughout the Lord of the Rings series and throughout L Tolkien's series as well. Look, human beings are fallible. I mean, if you've ever seen the movies, even if you haven't read the books and you saw the movies, you'd know that in the very beginning of the stories of the Lord of the Rings, there is this thing called the Ring of Power. And it's it's sort of like the great temptation of man. How men always fall into temptation and they want the Ring of Power. They want more power. They want more influence. There's this temptation towards evil that Tolkien plays with that is such a universal theme of our lives. And so this is what Tolkien's getting at is that the, even though they were made with, with good intentions, they still have the ability to choose evil. And because of that, it's my first real argument about how I don't see The Lord of the Rings as being a racist uh, literary work. Because you're dealing with ideas and ideals. You're not just dealing with a surface level function. Okay? You're not just dealing with the idea that orcs were darker skinned and men are supposedly portrayed as having lighter skin in, in contrast inside of Tolkien's work. No. You're dealing with origin of ideas and ideals the orcs are, are and goblins are literally made from slime okay they, you could you could argue there's not even a soul in there right uh, I mean I, I think in one of the earlier uh, parts of the story it's even mentioned that the orcs and the goblins didn't really have I think language they do have a, uh, some level of language which would denote intelligence right it would denote some kind of intelligence because if there's intelligence, we could also project that there is some kind of moral system in place, correct? Uh, that they might care for their young ones because even in later iterations, Tolkien describes orcs uh, mating with humans and producing new kinds of sort of horrific orcs. So there's this idea of cross-pollination that's, that's going on too, which may lend someone to think that, hey, maybe these orcs aren't all that bad, right? If they can procreate if they can, which is, of course, a scary thought in terms of uh, humans and orcs and, and, you know, what's what, all those kinds of things. It now makes the viewer or the audience member consider that, well, maybe the orcs and the goblins aren't really totally evil. Maybe they aren't really totally twisted. Maybe they're under the thumb of Melkor and Sauron, and they don't have any choice in the matter. And Tolkien really is giving us this idea that, as long as your dictator is bad, which again would have been a World War One perhaps mindset because it was a war of dictators in that time. Stalin, Hitler, uh, you know, people rising to power and, and promoting the ideas of nationalism and, uh, you know, socialism being uh, the new wave of the ways to, to run your government. That could very well have been a mentality that Tolkien wanted to, to fight against thereby making my enemy totally evil, I can thereby say that my side is better, I'm in the good, and your side is, is bad, right? Well, again, we still have to consider what the source material is saying here because Tolkien claims the orcs are a product of evil forces. They're a twisted version of the elves and men. So I think it's rather hard to dispute that. And secondly, the symbolism is, is there as well. 
Okay, orcs and goblins are physical representations of bad choices. Whether it's their choices or the choices of the one who made them. Uh, their bodies are direct manifestations of their innermost corrupt nature. So, this is the danger I find in making statements like the Lord of the Rings is racist. Which, again, it, to me is just kind of a, a crazy thing to say. Not because it's it's almost a century old and has made millions, uh, so now we have to tear it down. We have, you know, we have to recognize that one of the purposes of good writers is to deep dive into the motivations and, and hearts of, of our readers, right? Like these are the things we have to do. No, this is this is a danger of doing this. It's just making a blanket statement and saying that we think it's racist because we're going to apply the context of surface level assumptions. That because I saw the movie and the orcs were darker skinned and all of the the actors on the good side were were white, that this is a racist work of art. No, okay, that, that, that's a surface level observation. And this is the thing that that happens in in sort of the outrage culture of our time is that if you can critically think and you can take a bit of a ten thousand foot view and look at people for their ideas, you know, look at people for their character, their qualities things they actually bring to the table. What are their intentions? What are their motivations? These are the things that we actually should be concerned with, not the color of the skin of the person that we're talking to. I mean, Tolkien could have wrote it from a perspective where all men and elves had brown skin and the orcs could all be silver skinned. I mean, would that still change the perspective of this of this Mr. Duncan? Would he, would he still be saying that it's racist against silver skinned orcs? I mean, that's that's the thing that, to me... Is, is rather incredulous. And I think, again, that part of good writing is not just playing around on the surface of things. Really good writers, uh, you know, in my opinion, are deep divers. Okay, they're, they're deep divers of ideas. Okay, imagine, imagine folks are, everyone's out at sea and they're on boats, they're on life rafts, you know, maybe they're in lifesavers. Maybe they're, you know, just floating about the sea of life has them. Maybe they're in the storm. Maybe they're in they're in calm waters. Either way, things are happening around them all the time. And really good writers have the ability to sort of deep dive below the surface of, of things that are going on, see what's happening down there, what's influencing the tide, what's influencing the rudders, what's influencing the sails, what's going on beneath the surface, and to bring it back up to the surface and tell the tale of what's going on down there. Speak to our souls. Speak to what is rooted within us. Speak to the motivations and the intentions of our of our own selves that we might not even be aware of. That's what really great writers and poets are able to accomplish is they don't just stay at surface level issues. They don't just say, well, the orcs were dark skinned, so therefore this is a racist work of, of fiction. I mean, no. I mean, I, I think that's lazy. Okay, I think it's a really lazy way of doing things. And again, I, this isn't a personal attack on, on Mr. Duncan. It's merely an, uh, I want to say attack, but it's in defense of works of fiction that try to wrestle with these sort of transcendent, uh, transcendent qualities, transcendent ideas that we're always wrestling with. What is good? What is evil? What is right? What is wrong? What is good? What is bad? These are things we're always struggling with. And if we're going to dumb it down, and say that the only thing that matters is what I see right in front of me, that the image that's in front of me is the only thing that matters, then, whoa, we've really lost something as far as being a creative, being a, being a writer, being even a reader of, of things. 
and allowing ourselves to critically think and to deep dive with the with the writers that make the works that, that really challenge not only our imaginations, but even uh, maybe our moral upbringings or perhaps our worldviews. These are some things that we have to consider. And, you know, again, you know, every writer says they want their words to influence and change the world. I mean, you, you kind of take that uh, along with the journey if you're a writer. I mean, you, you just kind of have to, to cash in on that. You have to realize that your words are going to affect people and you're engaged in the culture war of your time. You're engaged in the narrative war of your time. That's just part of it. So the only way you can really engage in that is to dig below the surface, to see what's going on, see what what is motivating people, see where truly the aches are of, of a generation or, or, or where people are, are trying to find their voice within uh, and to speak to that. Uh, and there's many levels to go to, okay? This is not just a, a, a two or three level dive. I mean, I'm, we're talking all the way down to the spirit of things that are moving behind movements and 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 works of art and, and the way people express themselves. So I'm a big believer in that. I mean, I'm a big believer in that, that the way that really great writers can tie those emotions and not only discover them, but articulate them back to their audiences so that their audience goes, wow, you know, I, I never saw it that way. I didn't realize that that's actually how things are going. So if you were the type of person who, who loved The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit and you you read it, you thought it was really something, you thought it was it was fun, it was exciting, maybe you had no idea that, that Tolkien was a Christian and that might change your perspective on it if you're not a Christian. Hey, it's okay, all right? It's, it's okay. Maybe there's some really cool truths that Tolkien was able to speak to that you didn't even know were, were part of the biblical narrative right, that you weren't even aware of that because they're in there. And, and I can draw a straight line because, uh, you know, being a Christian myself, I can draw that straight line. I can see that as far as what Tolkien was trying to accomplish. So in closing in all of this, uh, again, I, I just want to say, uh, you know, we, when we live in a time such as now where it's very easy to be outraged, it's very easy to be critical and take things out of context. I Again, I don't want to do that. Uh, but I do want to address a statement such as this because of the traction that it can get and how radicalized ideas, good or bad, can kind of stir with people and people maybe don't know where their voice is on it. Maybe they've made a decision, they don't care. Maybe on issues like this, they might go, that's totally off base, I don't even think that. Or maybe it makes people go, well, wait a, wait a second, what if it is? You know, like, what if it is? Uh, you know, I, I do want to lend my voice to that discussion. And so that's the reason for why uh, I did this episode uh, as a response to the, to that inquiry. So, so uh, I really hope you guys enjoyed this response video slash episode of the writer's lens talking about Lord of the Rings and uh, whether or not it really is a, a racist work of fiction. I, I trust by now, you know, where, where I stand on it as far as the statement is concerned. And, you know, for Mr. Duncan and his sake as a sci-fi writer, if he really does feel that way, uh, I hope that something might be able to change his mind on that at some point. Uh, you know, but if not, you know, then, uh, you know, we all have our journeys as far as where we're going. So, uh, you know, Godspeed uh, otherwise in that. So, uh, again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, checking out this uh, rant of mine on the writer's lens. Uh, might try to do some more of these, but as I said before, when it comes to response episodes, things like this, I, I do try to let it simmer. I try not to be such an emotional responder. In fact, I think this article might be almost a month old by the time I'm doing this episode. <laughs> so uh, 
but uh, I still wanted to get it out there regardless. Uh, just just in time for the holiday season, right? So uh, be safe, everyone, and I'll be back on again soon uh, for another episode of The Writer's Lens. Thanks again for the support. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff, and I will talk with you guys again soon. Thanks. Thanks.